HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. For more information, visit meusa.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Paying with your finger and using your fingerprint for digital security is so 2017. Get ready to pay with your face on this episode of Tech Bytes. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. Today, hopefully all of them are listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk to influencers and innovators in the food tech space. And today we have something really fun, facial recognition payment coming to a fast service restaurant counter near you. But before we get to that, we will do like we always do. We'll start the episode talking about apps, new ones we've discovered, old favorites. We go around the room introducing everyone. You can match the names to the voices, and we'll get to learn a little bit about everybody, what they do on the regular day-to-day. So first up, we have Brandon Barton, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Byte Kiosk. Thanks for coming out. Thanks so much for having me. Do you have an app that you are really using a lot right now? <clears throat> Let's see. Um, I think there's an app that not a lot of New Yorkers know about, but I use it all the time. And it's actually uh, called Curb. Uh, what it does is actually lets you pay for your yellow cab in advance of leaving it. Uh, and it's a massive convenience to me. But, uh, you know, so kind of making your cab into an Uber. Uh, but I don't think a lot of people know about it, despite the <laughs> massive advertising that they do in the back of your cab. So well, maybe that's because people are taking fewer and fewer cabs. It could be, uh, but I've you know, uh, anytime you do get in a yellow cab, you do have the opportunity to just put this in and never have to think about payment. Just get out of your cab. I use it quite often. Well, I use the um, Apple Pay reader usually, sure. and I pay with my finger. There you go. Lots of times, <laughs> um, and that's pretty easy. Yep, I, I agree with that as well. 
Is there a big difference between doing that and doing using the app curbed? Um, you just don't have to do anything at the end of. You can literally stop the car, park, and just get out of the cab. So. Okay, so it's curb. Uh, yes, it's C U R B. That's right. Okay. Oh, and actually, just the correct spelling, not some weird three Bs, two Rs with a K. Yep, that's right. Excellent. So that means they were ahead of the game. <laughs> Also joining us today is Yasir Chowdhury, who is the owner, creator, and chef of the opening soon, Frankie Goes to Bollywood. We're just going to pause because we're going to enjoy the splendor of that name. Frankie (laughs) Goes to Bollywood. Yasir, do you have an app that you really like right now? Yeah, I've been using a lot uh, lately, an app called Strava. It's Mm -hmm. been around for a while, but it's really for uh, cyclists and runners. Yes. Uh, And it's, it's just... A fantastic way to find new places to do rides and really compare your performance and log your rides and really work on your fitness. Are you a runner or a cyclist? Cyclist. We've had we've had mention of Strava on the show before. It's a really great app. Absolutely. Um, it's also great to discover uh, places to ride and run when you're in a new town or you're planning Absolutely. to go someplace new. It's and it's international. Yep. It's also free. It's freemium. Some of the features, like if you want to map your ride, you can map it on your computer and it'll tell you where you're going, but it won't do the GPS unless you pay right. for the GPS. So, yeah. Strava, that's a good one. And making our shipping container conversation into the amazing worldwide broadcasted podcast is our engineer and Heritage Radio studio manager, David Tadashore at Mission Control. That is me. How you doing? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. You got an app for us? Usually Dave is... <laughs> Dave has a penchant for personal internet security and <laughs> file storage. Yes. Uh, so he's preserving and protecting. Yeah, indeed. Uh, <laughs> New York's finest right here. Uh, no, this is, this is a bit more simple and... Um, utilitarian this is just an app called text later which allows you to schedule text messages for later that's pretty much it so if you have like an epiphany at two in the morning but it's uh, not the right time to actually text it to somebody you can you can write the text and schedule it to go out at a certain time that sounds like it might be a good thing also for people who have potential issues with spontaneous late-night inebriated texting. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, if you can get it together to remember to schedule it, you could maybe save yourself some, some trouble later not sending that 3 a.m. text and yeah. then taking a look at it before you have it scheduled to go. At See, like I guess the noon. problem there is it's a separate app and not functionality built into your regular texting app so that could be a problem Uh, yeah so it's not like a safety net no no and it's not like yeah not like you turn it on when you know you're going to be going out and you're putting yourself at risk like you have to maybe i wonder if that exists i wonder if some sort of protective some startup bro probably thought that would be a great idea yeah Yeah. exactly to protect yourself from the late night drunk text (laughs) We'll have to investigate that. If no one has thought of that, hey, 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 all you tech startup programming types out there. Silicon Valley, are you listening? Yep. Um, interesting. Very interesting. Now, do you often have late night epiphanies? Uh, sometimes, but also I guess another reason to use it is if you just need it to go out as soon as possible and like, you know, 
get it off your you're, yeah you're list. just concerned that like okay i need the, i need somebody to see this first thing tomorrow but like maybe i'm not going to be wide awake and bushy-tailed at 8 a.m and like remembering that i needed to do this so rather than writing yourself a note it's just like all right i'm going to take care of it in advance and i know it'll it'll go out I actually think this could also be useful if you have people who are in different time zones. I, I have a lot of friends uh, yeah. and family who are all over the world from Hong Kong to Hawaii to West Coast. And sometimes, you know, now if I were to text somebody in, you know, Asia, it's the middle of the night. Right. So does, um, does it, it work helpful. offline? Oh, excellent question. Does it work offline? Yeah, so uh, taking a flight or on a subway. Oh, you could queue up a bunch of I stuff? I suppose, mm, yeah. But then it, as you would have to come back onto a network before the send time, obviously. Right, sure. To, but yeah, I, I, I would assume, yeah. Okay. I don't know that for certain. Interesting. What's the name of the app again? Text Later. Text Later. And Dave is also on an Android so yeah, we know I it's on that platform, or we, we assume that it's uh, I iOS I imagine there's something similar also. for iPhone users. Okay, and we'll have to take a look at that, like, protect me from drunk texting to people yeah. app. What will we call it? <laughs> no regrets? <laughs> uh, uh, something about, like, uh, sober signal, maybe? Mm. We'll, we'll think about that. Maybe that'll be... Think better of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's too wordy. What's the uh, texting equivalent of a DUI? Well, there's always... TUI? The, well, TUI. There you go. TUI. No TUI. There's text from last night, which documents all of these bad tests that text <laughs> at people. So maybe like it's texts not from last night. Yeah. TUI. TUI. Texts better avoided. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put it down. Walk away from the phone. Okay. So... As promised at the top of the show, we have some really interesting, uh, very forward tech to talk about for the hospitality and retail business. We all know that you know you can use your mobile device, your phone with your finger to pay all over the place now, including taxis and facial recognition. It's coming and it's here. I personally have not used facial recognition on my phone or anywhere else. It sounds exciting and scary all at the same time. So what we're going to do today is we're going to have Brandon talk about Byte Kiosk, um, what the platform is, how the facial recognition works. And then Yasir is in a really interesting place in the, in the state of opening his restaurant. He is currently in the process of putting together his payment system, his tech stack, his software, all those kinds of things. So this is really front of mind, and he's been doing a lot of research in terms of what's available and what's out there and is coming very close to making a decision. Um, you know, things like, should he be cashless? Which is an interesting one. Should he be using facial recognition? Should he, you know, be doing all these things? Should it be people with uh, iPads, you know, anchored at the counter? Or should it be people using their own mobile phones and devices? So lots of questions, lots of things happening. It's a great time for him to... Uh, listen to Brandon's Byte Kiosk pitch. So, Brandon, tell us a little bit about 
paying with your face. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> certainly facial recognition is a part of what we're doing at Byte. Uh, but I think the the strong and, and biggest use case that we're really trying to solve for is getting uh, some of the transactional parts of a the hospitality experience out uh, of, let's say, a fast casual QSR environment. So uh, what that means is basically having guests arrive at a restaurant and not having to queue up, uh, stand in a 20-minute line to go down the uh, counter service and then just, you know, kind of tell people very quickly what they want, but being able to take their time, uh, see visual representations of what they might order, uh, you know, through a kiosk and then uh, obviously place that order and get the food the same way. In fact, sometimes even quicker uh, than they might by queuing up. Um, and the idea of layering facial recognition into that software allows for uh, your repeat guests, perhaps maybe even the most important people that come back to your restaurant, uh, the ability to reorder things that they've had or recall things that they've had, uh, you know, in the past for quicker reordering. So a couple things. Um, everyone listening may not be in the retail hospitality business. So tell us what QSR is. Sure. Uh, quick service restaurants. Um, okay. And I think that fast casual is another, fine casual is another term that we can call for these types of restaurants. Uh, you know, everything QSR really is things like McDonald's to KFC to Chick-fil-A. It's basically something where you go up to a counter and you place an order and pay at the counter and then go sit down and maybe they, you either take your food with you or they bring your food to you. Sure. That's right. Okay. And, um, when you talk about, you know, just the, sort of the general process, what's the baseline average kiosk experience now? Because kiosk, when I think, when I hear kiosk, I think of being like at an airport sure. with the little check-in, automated check-in thing. Or I, when I hear the word kiosk, I think of those like weird freestanding uh, things in the shopping mall sure. where you get like <laughs> charm bracelets and your iPhone screen fixed. Sure, sure. Uh, I mean, kiosk today is is growing. It's a tremendous part of um, the retail experience. Uh, if you think about every time that you go to an ATM, you use a kiosk, uh, or the, every time that you're in the back of uh, you know a taxi cab, that screen is in essence is a kiosk. So screens are kind of, you know everywhere to communicate. Uh, you know, many different things. Um, how it applies to restaurants um, is uh, it's a bit early in that. And so obviously we are uh, part of the, the folks that are pioneering uh, this into the, the QSR uh, and fast casual space. So um, we feel that it can help to take the ordering process and payment process um, you know, perhaps uh, out of the flow of a norm, uh, of what a restaurant operates today. Um, you know, those things are very transactional. And then hopefully the idea is to dedicate uh, more uh, of, you know, let's say, the staff or the uh, resources that a restaurant has to the hospitality that you're providing, bringing food to a table as opposed to just having them, uh, you know, bring it to a counter. So it's almost uh, putting the order and payment side of things into the customer's hand. Absolutely. So, I mean, we've seen that, I've seen that quite a bit um, over the past couple of years in airports now, where you sit down at a restaurant and there's an iPad in front of you and you select the dishes that you want, you pay for it, and then someone comes to you and brings it. Sure. And I would differentiate what we're doing from that simply by the idea that, that that's somewhat of a replacement for a table service restaurant, mm -hmm. the idea of ordering at your table. Mm -hmm. um, this would be more applied to ordering at that centralized location and then bringing your food to wherever you'd like to eat or even having it delivered to you where you'd like to eat. 
but ordering at a centralized location first, which there is nuance to that. Um, we don't see our technology applying to quote unquote table service restaurants like what we're seeing here at Roberta's. Um, you know, that's not our, our goal today. Okay. So, um, the goal of Frankie Goes to Bollywood is to, I mean, this is a great story. Um, it's basically a Kati Roll restaurant, and in Mumbai, that's called a Frankie, which I learned doing some research about Frankie Goes to Bollywood. I'm just going to keep saying that over and over again because it's so <laughs> spectacular. Um, obviously, Relax. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, 80s-inspired restaurant. Yasir's a, a child of the 80s. Um, he's also a graphic designer, so um, when you go and look online or follow him on social media or get to the restaurant when he opens it in the fall of 2018, there's going to be a lot of 80s-influenced uh, merchandise, which I'm really looking forward to. Okay, so tell us about your concept and you know the experience people are going to have, and, and tell us where you are in terms of um, deciding what your tech stack is going to be. So the restaurant's really... It's sort of a departure from my background, which is really fine dining. And it's, it's really about bringing uh, the flavors and, and the cuisine that I've loved all my life and people love all over the world, uh, just bringing it more accessible and more casual to people. Um, having worked with great chefs like Floyd Cardoz and Andrew Carmelini, you know, I have some background in, in uh, some really exquisite, exquisite food, but nobody wants to eat with tweezers or anything like that anymore. People, I think, are more inclined to be on the run and trying to grab something quick. And this kind of evolved from really that. And all over India, whether it's a Cotty Roll or it's a Frankie or whatever, people eat like this on a regular basis because everyone has a busy life these days. Um, so it, it sort of evolved from that. And then just myself getting a bit older, I had a lot of... Uh, started to get a little more health conscious, obviously, with the Strava app and, and getting into cycling and doing other things, I started uh, adapting the way I eat to have less gluten, less fat, less butter, um, things of those nature. Um, and I sort of incorporated that into the food. You know, uh, a lot of people will probably think that uh, Indian food has to be spicy or has to be laden with butter or ghee. Or, and to an extent, that's true, but it doesn't have to be. You can still get great flavor without the heat. Um, but a lot of aromatics and flavor, as well as great flavor without using ghee. I mean, substituting olive oil or something like that would be fantastic as well. So that's kind of where the cuisine and the and my recipes sort of evolved from. Um, and it's got to be fun. Everyone wants to have fun today, right? So that's why it's Frankie Goes to Bollywood. It's all about fun. Um, and uh, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek in terms of the name because it, it is a, a Frankie from Bollywood. But, you know, I also like... <laughs> the band, Frankie Goes to Bollywood. I grew up with them. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of nuance like that uh, that we're trying to incorporate into what we're doing. Uh, as far as uh, our tech stack, I mean, we're, we're going to be very modern despite the throwback to the 80s. Uh, you know, we'll have digital menu boards. Uh, I'm still debating whether I'm going to do kiosk or I'm not going to do kiosk, but, uh, you know, it's been on the table for quite a bit. Um, we'll definitely be up to date with all the EMV and the Apple Pay and the Samsung Pay, Google Pay, and all that kind of stuff. What, what is EMV? 
Um, I'm not even sure what it stands for, to Brandon, be honest with DMV? you. Euro MasterCard Visa. It's it, it, it's a EuroCard MasterCard Visa. Um, it's just a it's a acronym for the biggest payment companies in the world who have come together to uh, basically set the standard on the technology for taking payment. Um, they're all responsible for the the little chip that you have to now push into any credit card device, uh, as opposed to swiping, which it makes transactions more secure and take longer. There you go. As we all know. See, some security comes with a, a time price. Yes. Okay, so, so we're looking at all, all those things right now. Absolutely. And ironically enough, when you mentioned the airports, I used to be the director of operations for OTG, which is responsible for That's all those iPads. big airport. Yeah. yeah they, um, I've seen OTG at the JetBlue terminal at JFK. Yep. They just did a bunch of uh, renovations in Newark Airport. Yep. And, yep, they're everywhere. Yeah, I, I was actually at both of those. I, I ran JFK Terminal 5, and then um, I went from there to open up uh, Newark. Wow. So, yeah, so I have a lot of background in that. And we it, we developed everything there in-house. And it was... Uh, I think it was definitely cutting edge, but it was also a struggle trying to implement all of those new technologies and train people to, you know, I think Brandon and I had this conversation earlier where, you know, you have a 70-year-old person that's trying to get on a plane and they just want a sandwich and they can't, can't figure, figure out the out, iPad, right? you know. So there's 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 some drawbacks with the um, adoption of the, the technology, but the technology, I think, is, is moving forward fantastic, you know. So we are going to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we will have Brandon and Yasir have a conversation about if bike kiosk and facial recognition might be a good thing for Frankie Goes to Bollywood. Stay with us while we find out who the sponsor is of this show. Did you know Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit independent pirate radio? We are, which means that we keep the lights on and the mics hot entirely on the generosity of our underwriters, grants, and members like you. Stay with us. Come on and build me a sign On the side of the road Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best-tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of the Swiss Gruyere into the United States, but that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kaltbach Cave Age cheeses, Der Scharfe Max, Appenzeller, Tete de Moin, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit meusa.com. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is a conversation between Brandon Barton, the chief operating officer of Byte Kiosk, which is self-ordering touchscreen technology for hospitality and retail. They have added a layer of facial recognition to their payment system, which is thrilling and terrifying all at the same time. If you are interested in finding out more about Byte Kiosk, you can visit them online, 
Byte, B-I-T-E, kiosk, K-I-O-S-K-S dot com. You can also find them on social media at Byte Kiosks. If you are interested in finding out more about Yasser Chaudhry's Frankie Goes to Bollywood Restaurant, they will be opening in fall 2018 at 204 Spring Street in New York City. You can find them online at tastebollywood.com and on social media at Frankie, F-R-A-N-K-I-E, G-T-B. That's Goes to Bollywood. He describes it as funky, cool Indian street food joint with an 80s retro vibe. Very much looking forward to this. So, Yasir is really at the point in his restaurant build where he is researching all his technology and payment systems. He's also probably researching his delivery options and delivery today also requires a huge interface of technology as well. And he's deciding whether he wants to be all digital, no cash, touchscreen or not. Um, And maybe Brandon can help him make some of those decisions. So I'm going to step back and Brandon, let you uh, take the conversational con and, uh, Ask Brandon some questions about his business. Thanks so much. So um, the first thing I'd ask is uh, just wondering, uh, have you made any choices about what your POS system will be? That is usually the somewhat the core of the technology stack in a restaurant. So uh, that certainly uh, matters quite a bit in terms of uh, in what we do. POS is? Point of sale. So uh, it's just the machine that you'll see a server go over to and, and punch an order into. Or when you walk up to a McDonald's, it's the little computer that they're punching the it's order into. It's the little into. computer terminal. It's the system that records all of the orders. Yeah, and But even more importantly, in maybe your concept, it pushes the orders to the right places in the kitchen so that they uh, coordinate all the food and the fries and the burgers and the rotis and everything getting ready at the same right. time. So. Um, yeah, so I've looked at a number. I'm definitely going to do something cloud-based, uh, some sort of tablet, whether it's Android or uh, uh, Apple's irrelevant. They all are really, the technology has come so far that they all pretty much operate the same way. Um, I have, you know, three or four quotes that I just haven't picked one yet. Sure. And, and, and the hesitation in picking them is not necessarily the POS because it's more about the uh, systems that are going to integrate with the POS. So depending on that, that might change my decision because one of them might not work with like a Chowley for delivery or sure. something like that. Sure, so. sure, sure. Uh, good. Well, I mean, um, for in our case, um, and I'll tell you a little bit about Byte in general and, and then uh, maybe kind of dive into a little bit more uh, detail. But in our case, uh, we are trying to be and, and are agnostic to basically everything related to the tech stack in the restaurant. So what I mean by that is the we can integrate into any point of sale. Um, we probably integrate into 90% of the point of sale uh, sales that are uh, deployed to QSRs today. Um, so we have a lot covered. I imagine some of the ones you're looking at were either partners with or preferred partners and things like that. Um, that's important, obviously, because when an order goes in, you want that to go directly into the POS system to go directly to the places that it needs to go in the kitchen so that all the food's prepared at the same time and the guest leaves happy. Perfect. So uh, POS integration is important. The other component, of course, of, of what we're doing is not just the order taking, but the payment. And so 
we are also payment agnostic. And so if you, there's many different payment processors out there, people get different rates. And a lot of times we are talking to existing businesses that have 20, 30, 40 locations, um, and they get quite a significant uh, discount on that rate. So whatever payment processor you want to use as well, um, that's something that we would integrate with. So we have a credit card reading device um, that can you know, take that dip or the swipe or Apple Pay or Android Pay and allow you to um, you know, uh, choose whatever uh, credit card payment you want. Some of the importance there also is about your finance team. Um, you don't want to have multiple paths where your money is coming into the restaurant. Uh, restaurants are uh, complicated enough, so you'd really love to have that all go into one account from one processor. Um, so we want to maintain that. Um, now, if I was to get... What a- you just said is a really um, wonderful concept. People probably don't realize how big and complex the payment stream can be through a restaurant. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at some restaurants, you might walk in and see them have five or six iPads just for delivery. Um, that means typically they're getting money into their accounts through five or six different payment uh, you know, uh, processors or even delivery companies. Um, that's, uh, that's a challenge. Um, you know, in speaking with friends who are CFOs and, and, and uh, you know, accountants and controllers of restaurant groups, um, those, those things are hard as well. It's not just about how difficult it is to make the food in the kitchen or serve guests and make them happy. Um, you have to run a good operation in the, um, you know, the, the corporate side, if you will as well. So, um, so certainly we, we want to make sure that we're agnostic to that. Um, so agnostic to POS, agnostic to payments. Now a little bit off of the technology side and and maybe talk a little bit more about the kiosk. Uh, we can actually apply our software. So we're really a software company. Uh, we can apply our software to any different form factor. What I mean by that is if you wanted to use an iPad, in your uh, in your restaurant as the kiosk, you can do that. Um, if you've ever noticed, there's a couple of McDonald's here in New York City, plenty in Europe, many more to come, uh, who have 40-something inch screens that are uh, the kiosk. We can actually apply our software to those as well. Um, so the kiosk itself can be any shape and size um, that is a touchscreen and uh, hopefully has a camera. If it doesn't have a camera, we can figure out how to kind of, uh, you know, uh, work around that, uh, and we also have the ability to turn off any of the facial recognition um, if that's necessary. So that 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 works as well. Um, so any different form factor that you want it to look like, um, and I think that's a, that's important. There are some people who really believe big screens are important. Some who believe in the personalized screens, and the two good examples there: Panera has small screens, McDonald's has big screens. Nobody's wrong. Um, it could go either way. Um, so uh, the reason that Byte uh, is so effective in terms of, um, you know, um, for the restaurant, there's a couple things. One, um, you can really, like I said before, you can take that transactional part of the experience out of, um, let's say, uh, you know, the hospitality experience. So ordering sometimes, uh, if you've gone to certain restaurants and um, you know, maybe uh, your favorite Mexican or burrito type of place where you're going down the line, that can be sometimes a pressure-filled experience. Uh, you have a line of people behind you. You've waited for 10 minutes. You don't want them to wait longer. And the question of do you want guacamole and how much is it and how much am I getting comes up and you actually feel pressure. Uh, and, and I'd ask any listener to um, think about that the next time that they're in a fast casual restaurant. Um, and so kiosks can really uh, take that part away, uh, take it out of this kind of line uh, situation and allow you to have as much experience as, or as much time as you'd need to choose what you'd like. 
And the results of that are pretty interesting because guests who actually take more time, and it does take more time than ordering from a, uh, a cashier, um, which is fine. You can always put more kiosks in than cashiers. Is that universal? Because I would actually think that some, uh, my, if you had asked me, I would say that perhaps self-ordering is faster. Because I know exactly what I want, and I don't need to have a potentially uh, unclear communication conversation with somebody. Uh, I think uh, you know the idea of ordering from a new interface, maybe something that you haven't experienced before, is not as fast. Um, okay. I don't Fair know. Enough. Maybe maybe take maybe take the difference of calling up a restaurant for delivery versus ordering on Seamless. Mm-hmm. Um, which one could be fa- if somebody picked up the phone immediately and right. you knew you wanted a cheese pizza right. probably would be a little bit faster than than maybe on right. seamless not if you had to give them their credit card information over the phone right. but you know okay. um generally uh the idea uh, or, or the the data has shown that it, it's a little people bit longer are faster of an than order machines time. yeah they oh, are people are winning okay uh, but they In might this not one scenario they might not be as accurate as machines okay so <laughs> faster but not accurate so i do how want big the pickles. a win is that i do want the pickles i don't want the cheese so can we say I- it's faster if it's not right um, I mean, all case by case basis, okay. but uh, but let's give that one to the humans. Okay. Good. I like I like it when people win. Yeah, as do I. Um, and so uh, certainly um, it can take a little bit more time, but the results of that versus a cashier is actually that people order more. Um, you have it very clearly described to you what it might cost to add double protein for those of you that are working out and, and um, you know, staying extra healthy, want to get that, or what it might uh, cost to add extra sour cream or extra guacamole. Uh, and imagine the kind of harrowing experience if you had to ask for every single, what if I want this extra? What if I want this extra? How much? Oh my God, there's 15 people behind me. And perhaps that's not the best kind of scenario you want to put your guests in. So, um, so the order volume, uh, the average order size actually goes up between fifteen and twenty-five percent um, when when using uh, when using kiosk. Um, and uh, and then of course uh, there is this idea that with kiosk you can have less cashiers. Um, one thing I'd want to point out: we talked about cashless a second ago. That is not necessarily something that we um, uh, subscribe to. Uh, the brands have their own ideas of whether they should accept cash or not. Some brands, even some locations, accept cash and some don't. So that is totally a brand decision. And I don't. I was in a place not too long ago in New York City that only takes cash. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Revolutionary. <laughs> yeah. Only <laughs> cash. Um, yeah. And look, this US- is. U.S cash. Tendered U.S. Cash. tendered Americano dollars. Green money. Um, this is something that brands can decide for themselves. Um, we have no fight in that game. Uh, clearly, kiosks don't accept cash. I mean, some of them do. If you've been to a CVS, you've probably checked out on something that could. Uh, we don't accept cash. But um, we do believe that there are people out there who want to pay in cash. I was recently at a fast casual restaurant that is cashless. Uh, there was an older woman, uh, telling this story before to us here, older woman who was in front of me who ordered and wanted to pay in cash and didn't have a credit card. And the manager did a great thing and actually comped the meal for her. Um, but, uh, but I'd imagine that she didn't feel great uh, about that one little moment. So, um, you know, if people uh, still want to have cashiers to accept cash, I think that's a, probably a good idea as we start to transition into a mobile payment world. Um, which would include, you know, Apple Pay and Android Pay. And then eventually, as we've talked about, the idea of being able to pay um, using biometrics. 
Um, we don't have it operational today that you would pay with your face. We think that it's a bit early for the technology. Uh, if you read, as, as we do, obviously, a lot about facial recognition, um, there are false positives and, and storing credit cards associated twins. to somebody. Yeah, twins. twins. Um, there are certain ethnicities that don't have as high accuracy as others. So um, as the uh, facial recognition technology gets Bro better. Beards. <laughs> well, beards and glasses don't matter. Is that true? Um, yeah, no, I don't would think matter. that beards would have a huge impact. They don't. They wow. Don't. It's it's. I mean, if it's, you, it's about the shape of your face. Yeah. Um, I used I used something like that at OTG for time clocks when we were building out uh, Newark because we didn't have anything installed, um, and it's more about the shape of your face, the distance between your eyes, the the bridge of your nose. Th- those are the kinds of things it looks at. But it still needs even that. When, when I was using that. Um, you needed to have like 20 to 30 different images on file to for it to get a really close positive. If you only had one or two, it would it would miss the recognition quite a bit. Yeah, and I think the the techs come a long way in the past few years. I mean, we you know we are certainly riding on the same wave as Apple's uh, Face ID. Uh, maybe uh, Google had an app that they came out with that swapped you with a piece of old art. That really was about yes. collecting a lot of face data. <laughs> it's all about collecting a lot of data, people. Yeah. Don't get fooled by the fun quiz and the thing and, you know, which fruit are you? Yeah. And if yeah. you were, you know, like the classic painting, what would you be? They're just... It's collecting a lot of face collecting data. Collecting all your information. That being said, we can we can benefit from these very large companies um, applying the technology uh, in a way that will allow us to eventually be able to take payment by face and, and do that very accurately. But back to the restaurant, um, you know, the idea of uh, having guests have the ability to either order from a kiosk or from a cashier is what we um, are, are certainly subscribing to. Uh, and, um, and for that, you know, for the reasons of being able to reallocate some of that labor from a cashier to maybe a hospitality role, um, cleaning up tables faster, getting a second beverage or a free refill for somebody without them having to get up. It's a lot of exciting ways to make a guest feel better when they're in your restaurant. And, uh, and we, uh, we, we think that, you know, that makes it a, a very good idea to put chaos into any fast casual or QSR. Well, I think you hit on something that uh, a lot of the public doesn't really get involved with or even know. Sometimes there's, there's people up in arms that, oh, people are losing jobs because of technology and things like that. But there's so much more, especially for hospitality people, that we want to do. Uh, redistribution. Redistribution, right. So, you know, and that that's always been, you know, at OTG, that was the whole thing. We had thousands and thousands of employees. We never, we weren't letting anyone go. We were getting more because we wanted to curate that experience for you. And by not having them standing at a register, we could have them clean your table or bring your food to you or, or do any number of things. Um, so I think that there's, there's a little bit of misconception in, in the world today that you know, these operators that are thinking along these lines are, are, are not caring about their employees. They're actually caring about their employees and their guests at the same time and trying to utilize technology to kind of forward hospitality. That's accurate. McDonald's, who probably has the most kiosks um, uh, deployed in, in, in the world, not in the U.S., I think that's Panera, but um, they came out and said, uh, we, are, we actually have seen, you know, some of our labor costs go up with kiosks. 
Um, and I think that that's a combination of two things, redeploying it to better parts of the experience. And also, if you're able to do McDonald's as a machine, right, it's not limited by capacity. Uh, if you're able to do more orders, um, you might have to add more staff in your kitchen. And then everyone wins because the restaurant's able to serve more people between 12 and 2 p.m. Um, I always think, you know, and I think that that's something that operators don't often think about. Um, the fact that you have a line is a good thing, but how many people see that line and walk by and go to someplace else because there is a line? They don't want to guess as to how long the wait is going to be. Is it tw- 10 or 20 minutes? Unless they have experience being in the line. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> and so if, if you can, let's say, eliminate a line by deploying more pieces of technology that will take orders, um, you, uh, you, you potentially could do more throughput, which some operators would say, my kitchen's already slammed. But um, I think a lot of brands are starting to do their 2.0 or 3.0 design that has a uh, maybe two different ways to get food, one at the front of house and one in the back of house that's fulfilling everything from kiosk orders to delivery to order ahead. And I should also say, those are separate categories than what we're talking about. We really aim to try to please and, and uh, the guests that are coming into the restaurant uh, physically. Um, so there's many great companies that do order ahead and delivery as well. So yes, here you have a really great opportunity right now that you're building your restaurant, that you get to build it from scratch versus trying to figure out how you're going to you know, jackhammer some legacy Aloha system into the new technology. <laughs> No comment. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't even say anything to those dinosaurs. I just, you know. Although I did use one this morning when I stopped at Quick Check and got a bagel. That was hmm. a, that was an NCR thing right there, and it was a kiosk. There oh, you go. Great. <laughs> yeah. All boats rise. So how does how does your how does your footprint look right now? What are you planning to have in position when you open? Uh, in terms of technology, um, we're going to have uh, digital menu boards. Uh, we will be using a uh, third-party uh, app, if you will, for uh, for doing our delivery. So we will partner with a number of t- different delivery companies, but we're going to use a company called Chowley, which kind of eliminates what um, Brandon was talking about, having seven different iPads, iPads sitting on the yeah. counter for delivery. So, um, and it's a, it's... I'm still I'm still going to have the issue of the payments that you mentioned. Yes. But at least I don't have like seven different things dinging and a one of them never got into my POS and et cetera. And does Charlie get everything into the POS? Gets it all into the POS. That's really wonderful. Yeah. Good job, Charlie. So, um so I I plan on deploying that um you know the the POS as I said I'll make a decision on what I'm going to do when I decide what I'm going to do with the the kiosk. Interesting. Um because all of them really have their own little kiosk apps. Yeah. Uh, some of them are like white label where you can put all your own branding and stuff on them. And some of them are very, very limited. Yeah. Um, and that's been, that's been a challenge for me because some of, some of them have great POSs. But then I can't really put, I'm putting all this thought and this effort into the design of the space and the color and, and the, um, even, you know, the name and all, all these fun things that we're trying to do. And then I just got to white screen with a picture and block lettering, you know, that's like... Would that be a deal breaker for you if it was like the bestest system ever, but it was just non-branded? Would that be a deal breaker? Yeah, it actually would. Interesting. It would, absolutely. But you got to think about it like as well. That's like if someone's wearing, you know, Armani and Prada 
and then they got $2 sunglasses. They're not wearing that $2 sunglasses, right? I don't know. You know, I, I wear a lot of uh, Uniqlo and Dolce & Gabbana at the same time. Yeah? Yes. Uniqlo does a good job. Like right, but, but, like right now. <laughs> but Uniqlo has nice stuff. It's still a $7 t-shirt. It's true. Well, I think, I mean, I think you're making a really important point, um, which is we're actually talking about the guest experience. You open yes. a restaurant so that people come there and feel good when they leave. That's generally Absolutely. the idea. They hopefully are filled up. Sometimes may, they may, may not be filled. Either way, um, they're happy when they leave. And um, so I, I think you're making a really important point. Um, POS companies do a really good job of the really the brains of that whole restaurant and pushing things from here to there. Some of them do an okay job of branding for you. Some of them may not. And so um, that's where we fit in. Uh, we fit in with custom design, custom UI, custom UX. Um, we are using your fonts and branding and everything to, to generate there because it is part of the guest experience. Um, it is something that uh, you know, is going to be the thing people remember. Uh, and so if you do have a bad UI experience, that's the same thing as, as having a bad service experience. And I'm not sure many operators think of that today. Um, in, in some of my former roles, I used to always say the real front door of the restaurant is not here in Bushwick. It's actually on the web. Absolutely. And so that's when the first time that somebody's going to, and it might even be on Google, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, the first time that they're going to experience finding information about your restaurant, um, I mean, God forbid these days, but if somebody had one of those flash websites that came up with music, I mean, you know how bad that made you feel. Um, but uh, but but that, that matters. And, and, the, and the new younger, um, I'm not going to say the M word, but all of the new young consumers um, care about this as much as they might care about the actual physical showing up to the restaurant experience. So we have custom UI UX, good, th good thing for you. Um, uh, and so it's going to have all your branding. And another important point here is many operators, if you ask them about are they considering switching their POS um, in the next three to five years, they'd probably say yes. Um, there's always new POS on the market, new features, new, and, and that's great. That is a, a boon for everyone. Um, but if you were to utilize a guest-facing part of the technology with that was connected only to that POS, similar to what they use at OTG, that's only connected to Flow, I think, is the... Is the well, Flow is the in-house. It's actually connected to Micros. Okay, sure. So, But it, it, it's connected only to this one system. But the idea is that if you have a guest-facing part that's connected to your POS... If you change your POS, you're going to have to change the guest-facing part. Mm -hmm. And I think retraining your guests to do something different is something that you might not want to do if that's not broken. You want to make those de those decisions independently of each other. Right. Well, and, and I think it also, you know, just to further the conversation about, uh, you know, your branding. And if you walk up to a counter, even if you're not using a kiosk and you're just walking up for asking, asking for something, and the person at the counter is unshaven, their shirt's all wrinkled and untucked, you don't feel good about that order. And that's the same thing about not having that proper image and the colors and the fonts that match your restaurant. It's, it's identical to me. Well, I think one of the interesting things is that people will likely not remember it when it works exceptionally well and they have a great experience. It's the moment something goes wrong that they recognize the mistake or the imperfection or the thing that's not meshing with the rest of it that becomes then a sticking point. So a customer may not necessarily connect to the fact that 
the topography on the kiosk is not the same as the topography of the restaurant unless something went wrong. And mm. then they would start to take a closer look at it and then say like, what the hell is this? Sure. So it's kind of an interesting thing because I do think people expect to have a uh, kind of seamless experience when they're in retail and in hospitality. And it's only when you hit a bump in the road or have an exceptional moment of surprise and delight that people really rec- recognize and remember things. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up surprise and delight. Um, one of the things that you know, machines do a little bit better than humans is remember people. Um, and not just because of the facial recognition, but, um, you know, there are many different ways to recall uh, somebody that's come in. And so... An order, a phone number, your email address, your your fingerprint, your, like, all those things. All those different things. Or even, you know, just tagging your phone when you walk in. I mean, there's also some really unbelievable, like, amazing and scary technology that's tagging you as you go into places and, How many times have you used your credit card at a different location that is a square register and it says your email's already in there, right? So it remembers you. So... um, And it's also listening to you. There are times I have conversations with people about things and then... Five minutes later on my Instagram feed is a sponsored ad for this, that very thing. I don't know about this yet. There was a, good, there was a good reply all <laughs> about uh, whether or not this was true or not. But anyway, but my point is actually that from a hospitality perspective, it matters to Yasir to know the fifth time that somebody's come into his restaurant in the month. And maybe he can have a manager be alerted of that and walk over to them and say, hey, thanks so much for coming. Here's here's a, a vanilla coffee, uh, you know, one of our wonderful desserts. Or here's a Frankie might- Goes to Bollywood visor. Here is an original <laughs> single of Relax that we've dubbed over with the word Bollywood. Um, so excited for the I'll just sing to him. That's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, the, you can alert a person of that. Or digitally you can do this. Yep. You can say when somebody's checking out and say, hey, pop, pop up a, thank you so much yep. for coming for the fifth time. We'd love give to give you a, you a dessert. Yep. Free, free soda, mm-hmm. free this. You've never tried it's this true. before. The machines have much better memories. They, they do. And, and, I, and you'll never miss an opportunity to um, provide hospitality to your most loyal guests um, through, uh, through using some of this technology? Well, we are unfortunately out of time. It's always, that always happens. We always have more to talk about and no minutes left in the show. But I do want to thank Brandon Barton, the COO of Byte Kiosk. Again, if you are interested in learning more about their technology, go to bytekiosks.com. If you are anxiously awaiting the fall 2018 opening of Frankie Goes to Bollywood from Yasir Chowdhury, go to tastebollywood.com or follow them on social media at FrankieGTB. The restaurant will be in the village at 204 Spring Street in New York City. If you really like this show, come back and listen on Thursdays at 11 a.m., If you can't live without it, go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe. Leave us a four-star review. If you really want to make sure Tech Bytes and all of our Heritage Radio programming is in your life, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart, and, you know, maybe donate what you spent on a sandwich today. Or a Frankie. Or a Frankie. (laughs) If you, well, we can't have the Frankie yet because you're not open. (laughs) Yeah, relax. (laughs) If you designate your donation to Tech Bytes, I will send you something special along with my undying love. 
Tech Bytes is engineered by David Tatashore. Our theme song, Nomad a CPU Track, is by DJ Uptown Nico. We broadcast live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Jennifer Leitze. Come back and listen. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.